it's really easy to fall into the trap of thinking of refugees as being people not like me, not like us, not even like Jesus or God. So it pulls us up short, really, to recognize that Jesus himself was a refugee shortly after he was born. The story comes in Matthew's Gospel. The wise men have come to visit Jesus from the east and they went to see Herod. And Herod, who didn't really have a proper claim to the throne, became panicked at the thought of a new king of the Jews. So he sent out a message that anyone in Bethlehem under the age of two should be killed. So Joseph and Mary and Jesus fled for their lives. And I think for me, one of the really striking things of that story is that feeling of terror in the fleeing. They had to go from the place where they lived. They had to go from their home to a new country. Unfortunately, we don't know much about what happened to Joseph and Mary and Jesus in Egypt, but we do know that they did have to flee. And eventually they then did come back and settle in Nazareth. So it is, for me, a really thought-provoking event in Jesus' life to recognise that Jesus himself fled from terror. Jesus himself was a refugee. So when we meet the refugees who come to us in our country, it is worth reminding ourselves that actually Jesus also was one just like this when he lived on earth. At this moment in time, there are more refugees on earth than ever before. And the estimates for refugees for the years ahead are not rosy. People are fleeing war, persecution, famine, environmental disasters, just like Jesus did. But in this polarized time, with the politics of asylum and immigration at the center of all that, care for refugees is controversial. It's controversial here right now. There are concerns about allowing terrorists to enter. There are concerns that there is no room in the inn that there are just too many people. There are concerns about the costs involved. And I recently had another Christian leader tell me that Jesus wasn't actually a refugee because there were no exact borders back then and the word refugee was not actually used in the story. And I don't know, you heard the story today and it sounds like a refugee story to me. It was somebody who was fleeing from one land to another. And I know the politicians, they, they need to figure all that stuff out. That's, that's on them. And honestly, I don't put a lot of faith in that. So I pray. I pray each day for immigrants and refugees who are far from the land they knew to know, find safety and compassion from Christ's church, which is everywhere. When I was a kid, my church community sponsored two Polish refugees who were part of the solidarity movement in Poland. And this was back in the 80, 1980s. And they were part of that movement and eventually had to flee Poland and come from behind the Iron Curtain to this country. And when Alex and Wojciech arrived, I remember this because it lives on in my family story. We had them over for dinner. It was their first night in country, and it was a night to be remembered. My father cooked salmon, which was a favorite of ours. And Alex and Wojciech's English was not great. And my father was having a lot of trouble communicating with them. 
And he was under the impression that if you can't speak a language, if you just yell it a little louder, <laughs> they'll understand. And so he asked them if they would like to have some fish. And they kind of looked confused because they didn't know what they were, he was asking. And he said, fish, 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 do you want fish? And he began to yell at these poor guys who had just come into the country and pointing at the fish, angrily yelling fish. Until I said, dad, they're Polish, not deaf. That story lives on. We, we will tease my father to his dying day about that story. It, the truth is, it is no easy thing to leave everything behind and to settle in a new land, to have to relearn everything. And for many, immigrant, for many immigrants coming to the United States, you were coming to this country for opportunities. But refugees didn't necessarily want to leave their homes. In fact, they didn't. They had to. Like Jesus and Mary and Joseph, they had to leave. Refugees are not necessarily excited to be here, even though they should get the um, even though they get the message that they should feel that way. They oftentimes don't. And so one of the questions is, how do you provide hospitality then? I'm going to go out on a limb and say screaming at them at fish is not a good starting point. <laughs> but what do we all need to do to start being ready to provide hospitality to refugees? We're going to have to do this in the weeks ahead. Because last year, this church community decided to step up and help do our part. And so along with our friends over at Kansas City United Church of Christ, in a matter of weeks, we're going to receive a refugee family to sponsor. Now, many of you have already contributed to the needs of this household. Many of you have actually done the training with Della Lamb. I've done that, done that training. And it taught how do you effectively help in these situations. And soon that family is going to arrive. And their story, their refugee story, is going to continue. And you get to be part of that. We have people who are already who are signed up to help connect with schools and with services and help provide transportation. People in this congregation have stepped forward to help lead those efforts and thank God for them. And I want to thank all of you for helping out with this. People have been fantastic and generous, so thank you for doing that. And soon all of this preparation that we've been making over these months is going to become a reality. A new family in a new year. And I want to share the number one thing that I've learned from, from refugees and from our training with Della Lamb. Educate yourself about refugees and the resettlement process. Because here's the thing. This family, under no fault of their own, is coming to a nation that's divided. And they're going to be greeted with suspicion. You know this. That people are going to wonder and people are going to question them openly. This happens to every refugee family. Whether or not they're here, uh, um, they're going to be asked if they're terrorists. Or if they're here legally. And here's the thing, there are no undocumented refugees. They have gone through a years of process, even if they were fast-tracked. And coming to this nation as a refugee is long and thorough. 
And this family is going to need advocates to help explain to, to neighbors and to teachers about what it means to be a refugee. And you, you are those advocates. You are the people who get to explain that because that helps smooth, smooth the path. You can, the good that you can do to make their transition smooth, that's vital. And here's the other thing. Take time to listen to their story. When I was 14, after my father had screamed at poor Alex and Wojciech, I spent this exhausting, and it was truly exhausting, I spent an exhausting evening with an English to Polish dictionary trying to learn about them. Our youth group went over and we got their apartment all cleaned up and we decorated for them. But time passed. And I didn't see Alex and Wojciech anymore. I went away to school and our sponsorship, our church sponsorship of, of them was over. And I, I remember I, I kind of wondered what happened with them, like what, what happened to them as in part of their refugee story. And then there was the summer I was working as a, an apprentice plumber. That was my, my summer job to help pay my way through college, which meant that as the apprentice plumber, you get the wonderful task of being on call to clean people's clogged sewer lines. 24-7. It was a job where I would seriously, I would get covered with feces from head to toe for four bucks an hour. But I learned a lot. Anyway, it doesn't matter who you are. Eventually, your drains get clogged. And Alex's did at 3.30 in the morning one time. And I showed up, and there was Alex. Alex saw me, and he remembered the little boy that I had been, and he gave me this big, huge bear hug. And his English had become pretty good. And we talked while I got the mess cleaned up. And he remembered me. He didn't remember my name, but he remembered me because I was the first person to listen. Not just to ask him questions, to demand answers, but to listen to his story. He forgot my face, but not my face, and he definitely did not forget the fish story. <laughs> he remembered that real well. Now, he didn't hug me at the end because I, I wouldn't hug me either at the end of that job. It was a nasty job. But here is what I pray for us as we head into this new year. I pray that everyone who hears this New Year's message is blessed this coming year with an experience. An experience where you provide hospitality to a refugee. Maybe it's this family or maybe it's any refugee. Offering them compassion and hope. Because that's going to become part of your story too. And it's a story that's worth telling. Now, we don't know what happened to Jesus, Mary, and Joseph in Egypt. We don't know how they were treated when they got to Egypt. We don't know that story. But I have a feeling, I have a feeling that it played into Jesus' story, his growing up as a person of compassion and mercy, of inclusivity and nonviolence and justice. 
all the values that we see in him that we strive as his church to carry on today. And now, right now, is our moment to be part of that narrative. Seize these weeks ahead. And when I get back from sabbatical, please share your story with me because I want to hear your story about encountering refugees. In fact, I can't wait to hear it. Will you pray with me? On this New Year's Day, Lord, Lord Jesus, we ask you to bless the family that comes into our care. May we welcome the way that we would welcome you. May we listen and may we provide hospitality. And may your spirit bless all we do as we do our part to build your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.